But we are living today in a moment of history that is unprecedented. We're living at a time where if you will turn on and watch the news on a day-to-day basis, you will see that all of the prophecies of the Bible are spinning out rapidly. The Bible said all of these things will happen. And when these things come to pass, get ready because the king is coming. And we have played church long enough. We have seen the churches. I am reading books now that are so depressing, but I have to read them to see if what I feel inside from my reading of the scripture, if anybody else is feeling the same thing. And books are flying off the presses of one entitled The Last Christian Generation. Another talking about evangelism recession. All of our churches are experiencing things they've never experienced before. One of the prophecies of the Bible is that in the last days there will be a falling away. We are falling away by the thousands every single day in American churches. We have decided as a people that we will bind ourselves to the world and be like them thinking that we can change them through the power of the gospel, but yet the gospel is being thrown out for other things. Something is tragically wrong, and if it's not corrected, not by the elections, but by the church of Jesus Christ, we are doomed. There has got to be a great awakening. We hear one candidate saying, let's make America great again. Let me tell you something. The Democrats nor the Republicans can make us great again. The only person that can make us great again is for there to be a great awakening in this country and come back to God. It's not in the hands of the politicians or the political parties. It's in the hands of Almighty God. And God has made it very clear in His Word. I want to take you back to the same scripture that uh, was introduced to me in a more emotional way back when I first read it. I'd read it several times, but it came alive when, and I'll show you the phrase in just a moment. But I want to read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 28. Abraham is getting a word from God. Abraham has a responsibility to lead God's people, and he gets a clear word from God as to what he must do for God to withhold his judgment upon his people. Listen carefully to Deuteronomy chapter 28, beginning with verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe and do all of his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And all of the blessings will come on you and overtake you if you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, or happy shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. 
Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your kind and the flock of your sheep. Blessed shall be your basket and your store. Blessed shalt thou be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and they'll flee before thee seven ways. And the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself, as he has sworn unto thee. Now listen, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give you. The Lord will open up to, to thee his good treasure, the heaven to give you rain unto your land in his season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if thou wilt hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Is that a clear scripture? How much, how much theological education you have to have to understand that? It is a very clear word, number one, to the people of God. It is very clear that God is holding back judgment, waiting patiently for God's people to move. It's always been this way. But there came times of great in the Great Awakening, times of revival, times when people began to come back. I can tell you one. In recent history, it's 911. When we saw for three weeks churches packed, I don't care what kind of denomination it was, what kind of nursery they had, what kind of seats they had to sit in, or what their parking lot was made out of, or whether they were air-conditioned or they had funeral home fans, they had revival. But it came at a high price to see the enemy's planes hit those buildings and see the towers fall. Well, this morning, I come to you with a burden on my heart to somehow, someway, bring to attention of our family that God is serious about what he's telling us. We are so confused. We are so carnal. We are so mixed up. We are so, con we are so wanting to be conformed to this world that it must break the heart of God. That he watches us, the most blessed nation, 
He says, and thou shalt not borrow to Abraham and his people. Well, we only owe $20 trillion in America. Who do we borrow that from? Didn't borrow it from me. They just took mine. When I filled out my taxes, I didn't see anything where I was going to make interest on that money and get it back over a 15-year period of time. I didn't see that. But today, when the scripture is so clear and he says to observe and to do all of his commandments which I command you this day and our public schools have forbidden for those commandments to go up in the hallways of the public schools of the United States of America. God help us if our children learn to not kill, to not commit adultery and to honor their parents. Wouldn't that just ruin a nation for that to happen? to not steal and not lie and bear false witness. But we, our leaders have said, but we're America. We just love everybody and believe everything. God's not looking for a people that believes everything. God is looking for a people whose heart's perfect towards him. And when he gets that people, he will bless that people exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask. When the Bible says thou shalt not commit adultery and we are epidemic in that, how can we expect God to back off? He never has and he never will. He never will. Look again at this scripture. He has said that God will set us on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come up you and overtake you if you'll hearken to the voice of the Lord. Now, he was talking to Israel. I know that. But God's people began in America. And I don't argue whether we were founded as to be a Christian nation. I know people were coming over here for freedom. But I do know if you know the truth, it'll set you free. But I do know that God had a plan for this country. I do know that I've lived in a time when I've seen a lot of those things come to pass. But when I see and read again this passage of Scripture, where the Lord said, I will if you will. And I look and say, well, that's not happening. And I look over here and I said, well, we didn't. We, we have gone after other gods. There are absolutely millions of people that go to church every single Sunday that will tell you, I don't believe this Bible is inspired and inerrant and infallible word of God. I want you to know that in the Houston Chronicle last week, there was a quote by a pastor in our part of town of a major denomination that said, we do not believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, how in the world, folks, how in the world can God's kids say when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to heaven except through me? How can you develop that kind of theology? It only comes from one place and out of the pits of hell. As the devil has blinded us, he has darkened us. We love the darkness. We like to go where there's a lot of darkness. We like to go where there's a lot of noise. We like to go where we can escape from being still and know that he is God and humbling ourselves and praying and seeking God's face. And then we wonder, why doesn't God bless America? God blesses people that repent. 
No exceptions to that. God doesn't bless us because he's good. He blesses us because he loves us and he knows we're trying. If I'm going in the wrong way and I'm willing to repent and go in the, in the right way, God will help me get where I'm trying to go. But if I'm, trying to, if I'm continuing to go after the things of this world, it will not happen. The scripture says here, the Lord will establish you a holy people unto himself. A holy people. What is a holy people? A holy people is a group of people that are trying to be like God. We're trying to follow God. We're trying to be like God. Whenever we see this passage about our storehouses, I'll fill your storehouses. Most retirement programs I've looked at don't look like much of a storehouse. Most of them look like the storehouse has got some rats in it somewhere because it's just not quite growing like the financial planner said 30 years it would grow. And we wonder, well, I wonder what's happened. Well, it must be those politicians in Washington. It might be the God of heaven that is simply saying, I don't know what it's going to take America to get your attention, but I will get your attention. And if it takes, if it takes a total collapse of any people that has happened in the past. And as I've said to you a hundred times, if God will judge Israel, he will judge any other nation on the face of the earth. And when God tells us to get me in the front, not in the rear of whatever you're doing, follow me. Don't ask me to follow you. Lord, I'm fixing to go out and I'm fixing to do something. I'm not sure if it's right, so protect me. Watch over me. Make sure I don't get in trouble. Make sure that I do not have something terribly happen to me. And God is saying, I wish you would pay more attention to my word. The Lord will make you plenteous in goods. The Lord shall open up unto you his good treasure. And you shall lend to many nations. And thou shalt not borrow. Those of you that are members of Sagemont know that that's what I was referring to. If you're a guest today, 1975, after reading this scripture and coming back to our church, we voted unanimously to get Sagemont Church out of debt, and we've owed no man anything since the first of 1976. And he's met our every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's blessed every source of our income. He has done it not through some good investments that we made, but through the giving or returning, I should say, of his children back to him to share the gospel with the world. You shall lend to the nations, but you shall not borrow. Every person here knows what personal debt can do. But listen to this passage in the last verse. And you shall not go aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right hand or to the left or go after other gods to serve them. No one here can bring an argument that we do not have a host of our people that serve the gods of entertainment, the gods of athletics, the gods of movies and music and all kinds of things that are not of God. And we substitute those things for God's way. And as a result, 
we're paying a high, high price. Luke chapter 12, verse 31. Let me share another scripture. The Bible says, Seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What is that? What is Jesus saying? He's simply saying, Scripture's simply saying, Look, kids, I want to bless you. I want to do exceeding abundantly above all you can think of and ask. But my little kids, why won't you obey me? Why won't you turn from your wicked ways? Why won't you make me, give me priority in your life? Why won't you leave the gods of this world and quit following the crowd and start following? Why won't you do this? I want to bless you, but I cannot bless you because you have tied my hand because God's word never returns void. God does not change his mind. He does not come back and say, well, you're not obeying me, but I'm going to bless you anyway because I feel sorry for you. It's not the way it works. We have to sanctify our lives, sanctify our, our families. We have to sanctify everything that we're doing. Our, where we work has to be a mission field. Where we go to school has to be a mission field. Where we go for entertainment or whatever we do, we're to let our light so shine before men that they'll see the good works and they'll glorify the Father which is in heaven. The psalmist in chapter 37, here's what, what the psalmist wrote, depart from evil. Listen to this. You ready for a solution? You ready for a formula? Depart from evil. And do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves judgment and forsakes not his saints. They are preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. You see, when God made his covenant with Abraham, he promised him prosperity. But there was one key. The key to prosperity is obedience. Obedience. When we talk about children, obey your parents from Scripture. When we talk about obeying the commandments, when we talk about obeying the law, that all comes from God. God says, I want you to obey authority that is over you. Respect it. Pray for it. But now we want to war even against authority. My definition of prosperity from years ago is having everything you need and the capacity to enjoy it. A lot of people have everything they need. They just don't know how to enjoy it. They just can't have a good time. They can't spend enough money to have a good time. They upgrade, 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 but they can never seemingly have a good time. Let me tell you what prosperity is, really, in addition to what I just said. It's having everything you need to perform or complete the, the work or the will, I should say, of God in your life. Whatever you need to fulfill God's will in your life, that's, that's prosperity. Then you take what God gives you and you use it for his glory. I want you to think about your personal life as I have thought about mine and will do so with you even right now. But I want to put down very clearly in your heart what is in my heart, and that is Satan will destroy your fellowship with God any way he can. Any way he can. If he can make you feel like it's too late, if he can make you feel like you're not worth it, if he, if he makes you feel like you're not as tall as a red bug, he'll do it. But God says, I'll never turn my back on you. Everybody matters to God. Every single person matters to God. 
But what Satan wants to do is to destroy my fellowship with God and your fellowship with God. He does not want you at church. He does not want you in a Bible study group. He does not want you participating in something like will happen on October the 1st. He doesn't want you in that because after all, if, he gets, if you get out there and experience the real thing, then you might leave Satan and come back to God. And so this morning, you and I have before us an open door that nobody can shut. But here's the thing. The difference between disobeying and obeying, if you know the truth, the only difference is the decision you make, the choice you make. It's your choice. It's my choice. We don't have to follow God. We don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. We know we're not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments, but if the Lord says this is a way to be born again, and you say, but I don't believe that. I go to church that doesn't believe that. It doesn't matter what your church believes. It matters what God said. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. No one comes unto him except through me. We can believe it or not believe it. But Romans 8, 6 says this. For to be carnally minded, which most are, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. There's no way that this flesh is good enough to please a holy God. It has to happen here. It happens here. You have to be still and know that he's God. We used to sing an old song, turn your radio on. It was a, it was a gospel song, old country, chuck wagon gang kind of a song, turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Get in touch with God. Turn your radio on. Well, he's talking about relationship to God, but some of us need to turn the radio off and the TV off and the computer off and get in touch with God. And for those that are seeking pleasure and seeking relationships in all the wrong places, in all the wrong ways, and, do, and, and going against everything that God's Word said, don't do this, 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 don't do this. But everybody's doing it, they're doing it, they're doing it, they're doing it, and I want everybody to know that I'm one of them. Because I want to influence them for God. You don't influence them for God. They have influenced you for Satan, and you're entrapped and don't even know it. You're like those coons that that Brother Bill was talking about. They're sitting there, and the door comes open. They sit back there in the back. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not me. I'm not going to go out there. Somebody at school might talk about me. They might kick me out of their group. Good. Come join the Sagemont student group, okay? Yeah. Get out of that group if you get in a good group. And then you'll find out how much God really cares about you and how you do matter to God. All of us, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself whether you be in the faith. That's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. Senior adults, I'm asking you to do it. I'm asking you that across the 50-yard line, 
to think very, very carefully about how you think in the secular world as it relates to what God's Word clearly teaches about how you're to live your life. What are your priorities? Where's your focus? Where, do you spend the, where, where are you going to spend the rest of your days? Think about it. And I want the middle, those of you that are on the 50, and those of you that are closer to the day you were born, what are you doing with these days when you've got a God in heaven that sent an inspired, inerrant, and infallible Bible of 66 books? Never, 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 never are we to compare ourselves to each other. We have to compare ourselves to him. God does not grade on the curve. Don't say, I do as good as most people I know of, in fact, matter than, better than most. Uh-uh, that won't get it. God's will for you and God's will for me it will be different. Not in principle, but in the way it's carried out. We can do all things through Christ which strengthens us, and that means all the things God wants you to do, he will give you whatever it takes. If it takes money, if it takes courage, if it takes living longer, then he will provide that for you till you get it done. But when it's finished, we're absent from the body and we're present with the Lord. All of us, every single one of us, have got to quit being carnally minded and moving forward on logic or intelligence rather than being spiritual minded, which is based on the Word of God. If God speaks to it, and it amazes me, the longer I study the Scripture, the more I'm amazed at how God seemingly dotted every I and crossed every T. That everything that I need to know about life and health and the things of God is in this book. It wasn't written to me. It was written to everybody. God didn't single out. And I'm glad there's a book named John. I don't know if you've got one named after you or not, but <laughs> I just want you to know that that one has nothing to do with me, all right? You say, I knew that before you ever said it, preacher. Okay. <laughs> so I want to close this way. Every one of us are tested every day. Every single day. Does some days seem longer to you than others? You know why? Because you had a bunch of breakdowns that day. Some way the wheels came off. Somewhere you got on the wrong road. Some way you lost your direction. And some of us gotten so old, we forget the purpose. We get in the car, start off. Not only do we not know what, where we're going, we don't know what we were going to do when we got there. <laughs> but when you just take that little old one step at a time, Lord Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. And decide from this day forward, I'm going to live it one day at a time. And every decision I make, I'm going to be still. And you know, if you've studied the Bible, the scriptures will come to you. If you haven't studied the Bible, God may send a personal angel to you to maybe not say it in the King James English, but would say it in a way that it was an answer from prayer, sent by the Father through the angel so that you could make it through the day. God knows you're here, by the way. You don't have to look funny, act funny, and be the loudest or the brightest or whatever for God to notice you. 
He finds people under vines and in caves and all through the Bible in rebellion, cleaning fish nets, going across the, the countryside. God will find you. He don't have to find you. He knows right where you are. But he will appear to you. Not in a physical sense. Maybe he will. Going to appear to all of us soon. But some way he'll get your attention. And he'll send somebody with a personal message to you that will change your life forever. Many, many, many are in bondage. Financial bondage is right up at the top. Emotional bondage, moral bondage or immoral bondage. But God will send that which you need to set you free if you'll look for him. The reason most people don't find God is they don't look for him or they're looking in the wrong places. We're so possessive of what we have. We're like that Good Samaritan story where they just look over and see the one falling among thieves and just keeps walking. Says, what's mine is mine. And I'm going to keep it. But you ought to be like the Good Samaritan and say, what's mine is yours if you need it. Because my God will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God will provide it. Individually and together. What are we going to do about this? I'm not talking about an organized movement. I'm talking about dispersing and getting along with God and say, Lord, what do we, speak to my heart. Where am I? What do you want me to do? How does this relate to me? You may be a teenager. You may be a, someone that's closer to going to be with the Lord than most. But God's got a plan as long as we're breathing for our life. You know how to make America great again? You know how to handle all this stuff we talk about, the financial problems, the immigration problems, the military problems, on and on and on and on. And we can just sit and fist fight all day long. Or we can be still and know that he's God and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. In due time, God will exalt us. He's got the whole world in his hand, folks. But America needs a revival. Amen?